Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are we on the cusp of a low-rise jean comeback? We're on the cusp of... I walked into Bershka the other day and I thought I was in a tie-dyeing factory. I actually couldn't <laughs> fucking believe... You in the t-shirt print. I was like, what the fuck is going on? So the, the, the bottoms, like the combat bottoms that we were searching for for fucking ages for yeah. the live show. Oh, everywhere. Own. White ones, pink ones, chains. Can I wear chains. mine? Like, unironically, can I wear them? Because they're sitting so. in my... But I'm like, I'm just... Imagine me rocking it. I'd be so embarrassed for myself. But then I'm also like... Everyone's doing is it. Is that trendy? But, but we also had longitude, and I think it's more so aimed at them gals. Yeah. like, isn't there... Wasn't there war going on between, like, the kids saying, who the fuck do you think you are to... 25 year olds that were at longitude <laughs> well I didn't know this but somebody had a Twitter it, like somebody was talking on a Twitter thread and they were saying about like um, oh the year has finally come I have to let my daughter go to like, I have, I've had to let my wa- daughter walk out in a, in a fucking in essentially like a, a dental floss suit yeah <laughs> um, off she goes to longitude and then like all the and I was like oh I wonder what I and we clicked in it was like oh yeah I remember um, the only way I got she was 15 sure and I was like 15 going to longitude yeah that's who it's aimed at that's the thing what yeah it's more so the youngins I thought youngins like 18, 19 to 22 oh, no. No, no, kind of thing no, to Coca- 25 it's a Coca-Cola event so it, is it? yeah so Coca-Cola kind of are the big ones you know the way the boomers are the big ones for the forbidden fruit yeah Coca-Cola are the big ones for longitude so it's more so it's not even like I think you can get a drink at it but there's certain areas nearly like what you were saying about Coachella oh my god kind of like the right. VIP area and stuff like okay. that I've never been to it so I'm talking out my arse here but it is it's all spin DJs and stuff like that okay okay that makes because they had really good acts like oh yeah they didn't make any stallion yeah they were supposed to have Doja and I remember thinking oh well I get a VIP ticket and just like I'd pay the 150 oh, yeah, she to just go see Doja then. and then she thank fuck she sure look Carla you're 30 what now two, two. you'd have been the old, oldest person there And you are very welcome along to the Unpopular Opinion Podcast. My name is Jen. And I'm Carla. How was Paris? Oh, Paris. 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 We won't um, we'll give us a short version. Short version. It was big, fun. Fun fact. No, yeah, fun fact episode is what we have. Fun, cool, <laughs> sexy, deadly, savage. I found out at half seven the day before that I was going at 4am. Hated that. Don't do that. Oh, God. Don't do that. 
Um, he learned. He won't do it again. I was, I was say, like, cute surprise. Never do that again. Yeah. Like you could have been like, we're going away. Here's the climate. I'm not telling you where. That would have been a yeah. Fab. I just can't believe he's been together like eight years and he didn't know to do that. But this is like, <laughs> this is why I'm like, have you just tuned me out? <laughs> yeah, it's like you're so vocal about you. Yeah. You're, like, you're very, very vocal. Very vocal. So I don't like, I have a fucking podcast. No, but like, I just, uh, yeah. Anyway, the intention was gorgeous. Mm. The delivery we can work on. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe tell me, you know, give me more than 11 hours to prep. Yeah. You that, know, that's a bit much for a girl who has a lot of stuff. For, for, but I was like, for a high maintenance bird, you can't really be at that crack. No, no, that's like you know who you're with. Yeah, I'm not going to be like, then we just sling a few things into the suitcase. No, it's stressful. I had no tan on, I had to shave, I had to wash my hair, condition my hair. And well, you knew you were going away. That's on you. I didn't know I was going away because then he started, he started all that other crack where he was like, and I was like, well, do you know what? If he's going to be ignorant, guess who can play that game? So can play that game, <laughs> right? Vibes. Um, he was being ignorant. He was like, oh, I told you all this. I, th- I, I, I told you all this where he was being like, oh, take this time off work. And then he was like, oh, no, I've had to change our plans. And then he was like going up and down around the town. It was very annoying. And then I was like, I'm going to get my nails done. And he was like, no, you can't get your nails done. And I was like, OK. And then he was like, what do you want to do next weekend? And I was like, what? you told me to take time off. This is what I mean. I'm like, it's not like it's not cool when you do all that mad shit. Oh no, that's not cool. Yeah, I was like, that's the annoying thing. No, he should have said, like, look, we're going away, we're going away, we're going away. We're going on a plane, it's gonna be overcast, sort of shit out. Yeah, you know, or like it's gonna be or just even be like star pack or like we're going away. That's mm. all you need to know. You don't need to know anything else. Yeah. And then I would have been like, Do I bring this outfit? Do I bring that outfit? Whatever else. Yeah, yeah. But like unbelievably annoying. Right, okay. But such a fab time. Okay. It was gorge, fab. If you haven't been to Paris, most basic place ever, I feel. But yeah. like, I just, oh my God, I loved it. And you got the DMs about the engagement, did you? Yeah, I got, I walked into my office and everybody was like, let me see your hands. And I was like, oh, I want to die. Did they not know you? They don't know you well enough. I've said it enough. Yeah. As, as, a pro, as, a, as appropriate as it can be in office chat. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. That you'd knife him if you tried it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And then I had to like re- I had to like almost re-explain everything. <laughs> oh shit! This is just so awkward, and it was so funny because yeah. you were like, like you, you, you be known. Yeah, most yeah, people yeah. be known. Like all my friends were like, that would absolutely that would never happen. Never happen. No, that would never happen. You would never speak to him again. You were done for. Yeah. Me as well. Yeah. No, I know. But um, I suppose it is a real engagement mm. place. So yeah, it was so good. I can't get over how good it was. And I spent a fucking bomb. I'd imagine dropped a bomb. You went into DR and bought a bag for yourself, sir. I bought sunglasses. Oh, did you? Right, yeah, okay. I did, but I bought them the day that they had the price increase. Oh, for fuck's sake. Head. Yeah, I know. You're very unfortunate. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I wasn't really thinking straight. But it then I, the I totally, for, I knew that the price increase was coming up, but then I just totally forgot that it was that day. It was the French air. And like I went Pitching. in and I was like, I thought that these were 40 quid less. And then I was like, oh, the price increase. You know? And I was like, oh, because they do it on different, like, so bags go up a certain amount and then glasses. So, like, I ended up spending 440 on the glasses. Um, <gasps> I know. What? I know. Oh, my God. They'd want to be giving you 200 back for that price. Like, <laughs> which is it one of these on the table? No. I was going to say, the way you just fucking left them there. No, okay, Grant. Jesus Christ. 
give me a heart attack. <laughs> no, but yeah. Anyway, look, I separate to that, I spent a bomb anyway. Right, okay. It's food and drink and everything. As I said, it's a fiver for a Coke. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that to me is Talking also Talking about a water here. Yeah. Um, right, so you had a good time. Recommendations on your Instagram. Recommendations the on the Instagram, the whole shebang. If you are thinking about going to Paris, please go. It was a gorgeous time of year to go. The weather was amazing. We got there the first day that we got there. It was lashing, but that was okay because there were so many fuck abouts with all of the flying that it took us like seven hours to go That's to get over there with all the. It's a nightmare, shy. isn't it? Oh, even if I think, even if I had the money to go this year, I just avoid it. And that's a th- like it's a bit of that, but it's also it's annoying now with Air like and he booked Air Lingus because he thought he was doing a good thing. Yeah. And Air Lingus are the big fucking shit show at the moment. Yeah. Ryanair are more consistent. Mm. Air Lingus keep like losing everyone's baggage. And the the our carry-on bags were check-in bags. So we had to check them in. Oh for fuck's sake. And that was a debacle. And that was the issue. So the queues the queues for us were the baggage queues. The queues were not were for the baggage drop-off. The queues for us were not the what you call it the the, the security mm. it was the fact that we had to check in our fucking hand luggage that's so yeah. annoying a ball like we live and we learn we live and we learn anyway you, you're going to paris very good very good for you I got that trip paid yeah. for you yeah nice yeah um this is your weekly reminder that we're on patreon for 60 euros you will get four extra episodes a month and then another extra so that's five five in total um extra episodes they, they come out in the form of a mini soda every monday and then you have an extra episode with a friend of the pod rounding up all the pop culture bits of the month and um, this episode though yeah we had a great guest on so we recorded with grace alice O'Shea. she is an intimacy coach and a sex educator she's also an author she just released her book uh sex educated um and she did it with is it six other? Did she say six other? Yeah, she said she got the, the amount of people wrong sometimes, but it's about six other sex educators that have been on the go for a while. Yeah. Um she also used like an Irish oh sorry, Irish sex educators. She also used a Irish illustrator, which is fabulous. But the book is just kind of like uh how to talk to your kids. Yeah, she said it's basically a QA kind of like reference book. You don't yeah. even have to read it from cover to cover. It's like all of the questions that the sex educators involved have been asked over the years. Yeah. Some awkward, some funny, some clever, some really sad. Um, and just the answers that they would give in those situations. So they put it out to their, when they're, they're external educators, so skills will get them in. Mm-hmm. She'll explain it all in the, the I'm, it's not an interview, it's a chat, but um, it sounds like a really good premise. So the, the link for the book is down below in the description and the money that you pay for the book goes back into the charity yeah which is really cool it's really good she also works as a intimacy coach and a sex coach um she says she doesn't like using the whole sex coach thing she prefers to say intimacy because it's a little bit more broad but um that is a really interesting conversation just a really good guest um, something that we've wanted to talk about for ages yeah it is it's been on the list for ages so give us your feedback um we might have her on again soon enough for a bit of a q a if you yeah. have any questions yeah. Um, and we set that up again for another time in the near future, maybe before the summer ends. Yeah, and it was very top line, I felt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was very surface level. We could have talked about so much more about her. She was pressed for time because she's popular. She'd be popular in. She got clients. She got clients. You know? She got to go see. So let me slot that little chat in and we'll be back to you after. So Grace Alice, thanks a million for joining us. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What in a, a nutshell is your title and what 
do you do as an educator? Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me on, first of all. Um, so yeah, my name is Grace Alice O'Shea, and my titles have changed a bit over the years, to be honest, um, but the shortest way to put it is I kind of have two roles. I'm a sex educator, and I'm also an intimacy coach. So under the sex education work, I would go to schools, I would deliver relationships and sex ed to primary schools, secondary schools, um, universities as well, all different topics related to sex um, and relationships, body image, porn, consent, you name it, I kind of deliver on that. And then under the intimacy coaching, I would work with adults. So uh, mainly women, uh, but also some couples as well, mainly heterosexual couples that come to me. Um, so basically just helping them overcome or address certain issues that they have in their intimate lives so whether they find they don't feel like having sex at all anymore maybe they don't feel connected to their partner anymore maybe they don't feel connected to their body maybe they have body issues there can be lots of different things that come up but in a nutshell that's what I do very good okay and so starting with the sex education and addressing skills and stuff like that when did you start that because we've addressed before how bad sex education yeah. was when we were school going you know and it was just mine mine it, in particular was it bad was, so was, i was in a convent school so it was in particular mm, yeah you can imagine yeah. and it was barely biology it was just straight l facts and you had the old vhs tapes of like this is a condom you know this kind of real yeah. matter of fact like not not in one bit like even being told like it's okay you know it's, it's getting just the consent real. slips sent home Oh, and he'd have to get and I was like mom this is yeah. so embarrassing will you please just sign this <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was bad up until very recently so I suppose yeah. you being brought into schools like what age kind of brackets are you talking like when would all of this start and when did you start doing it because I, I'm really intrigued by how skills are evolving yeah. and how they're bringing this into the curriculum yeah well they definitely are evolving because I was the same when I was at school my sex ed was non-existent really like mm. we got the girls got a, a period talk more than anything yeah. it wasn't really the next talk and it was terrifying oh my god I remember I nearly fainted during the period talk <laughs> which is so ironic that now I'm the person doing the the period talks and the sex talks but um yeah it was bad but I started this work when I was doing my master's that was it was nearly seven years ago when I started going into schools um and what kind of age groups so if, if it's primary schools it's generally fifth and sixth class I've right. done and then it's, it's like all 11 12 them. yeah 10 11 12 ish yeah. um yeah some some kids would be would be 10 and fifth class but yeah mostly 11 12 um but you know I think there does need to be education younger than that as well not necessarily about sex itself mm -hmm. but like even learning about you know your body parts, what, what the names of them are, how, how they work, um, learning about boundaries, consent, um, gender, like there's lots of stuff you can talk about before you ever talk about sex. So we do, you know, I worked for Sexual Health West, their charity in Galway. So when I worked with them and the way I work now as well, do it in a very age appropriate way you know in mm -hmm. a kind of a stage where you each year is getting a bit more a bit more a bit more and it's it's building on that learning really so it is evolving like it really is improving thankfully that's good to hear it's yeah. good to hear good to know what can, i suppose what made you 
like tell us a little bit about your background like how did you kind of get into this line of work because it is something that like we've had this on our list I think it was one of the first things that I put Mm. down when we started our podcast in 2019 because it has been so bad for so long and obviously I don't have kids and I don't have kids of that age and Bobby's Mm. a bit too young but I I wouldn't start no I wouldn't start we're not really in the loop (laughs) all I know is that it needs to change but I don't really know much else about I, I think from my perspective I'm like it needs to change but I actually don't know what's going on out there so I'm like that needs to change from what yeah. I'm hearing on Twitter <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah 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 I mean I think there's a little bit of a kind of what would you say uh there's a movement now towards I feel that the government very much want the teachers to be delivering sex ed which is fine um if if, if teachers want to do it yeah that's the thing. and it's important to remember that it is, it's not necessarily like any other subject. I'm not saying it's the most difficult subject to teach by any means. I mean, every subject is is, is unique and, and, and requires a certain skill set. But like it is very specialized work, you know, like when I first got into it um, and that's so seven years ago, even the way I teach now compared to seven years ago is quite different. Like you do, you do have to continuously be learning about what's happening in teenagers lives and how to adapt to that. So there is a movement towards training more teachers and, and for it to be more kind of um, done within schools. But I think there is still absolutely a place for external educators, someone like myself. And I don't just say that for my paycheck, genuinely. it's I think it's actually really important for young people to have someone that they don't know. I'm in no way yeah. connected. You know, I don't know their mom or their dad or their auntie or anything. They can ask me anything. I don't get, you know, in any way uncomfortable. Um, so th- there's so many pros as well to getting someone from the outside in. So I really hope that that isn't completely done away with. I think it would be such a shame. I think there's room for both. Like I really do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I suppose yeah. like, and I think it's interesting that you said you, you kind of have to evolve with it because obviously we had the Discord leak, which was 2020, which seems like, yeah, I know. Jesus. 2020. No, I, Cause I was like, was it 2021? I was like, no, it was 2020. Um, and those kind of thing about consent and images and graphic images and all that other kind mm. of stuff. So the fact that you're like there, there is that bit of, you have to keep up to date, but also you almost have to retrain consistently yeah. mm-hmm. and stay on yeah. top of things because you know, back when I was in school back when like 2002 I think is when I got my sex ed yeah. I was 12 you know, or I was 11 about to be 12 and it was that same kind of idea of as Jen had said it was like wheeling the VHS it was all very awkward we were all very it was an all-girls primary school too so but would like looking back I couldn't have done it with, now, a, with a boy in a class I'm saying that <laughs> I was in a mixed school and I I'm, like I I left primary school I don't know if it was in fifth or sixth class I know that they do it in fifth and sixth class now um, because I have a a nephew that age but he sorry when it was me I think it was just done in one year so it was either 99 or 2000 irrelevant anyway I was in a mixed school but the boys and the girls were separated for the sex ed so the girls were brought into the PE hall and the boys were kept in the classroom and there was two different I'm pretty sure they were external I can't say that they were yeah yeah, I can't say that there were they were actual actually our teachers um Mm. and I I remember just getting like I don't know it it was maybe it was the way that it was delivered or maybe we were just too immature at the time or it just wasn't in the forefront society wasn't really 
putting this to the forefront of importance do you know what I mean so it just made us really giddy and really yeah, kind of like awkward oh vaginas and penises and you know yeah. all this kind of crack and we were just having to laugh about it and yeah. stuff like that but I do think I and like this is it's a bit off topic but it's kind of relevant to it I was looking up the other day like how, how we're saying how it's completely changing and government are kind of to have a little bit of a hand in it I was looking up um about toilet training the other day my little fella's two and a half and he's kind of you know letting us know when he's you know like he he's he's more aware of his is uh going to the toilet habits or whatever so I was like is it time I don't know so I just looked it up and the first site that came up was the HSE one but one thing that I noticed was when you're doing like the toilet training or whatever there was a big line in it get consent from your child to wipe them and oh, I was like, I've no. never seen that before. Yeah. Get consent yeah. from your child to wipe them. I was just yeah. like, well, I'd say this is recent. Like, you know, in the last few years, at least for that yeah. to be put in, because that wouldn't have been yeah, even a yeah. thing before. Yeah, I've seen a lot more of that now. And I think, understandably, some parents are very confused about that. And there is a bit of resistance to like, you know, well, like, you know, things like when well, my child just has to brush their teeth. So, you know, whether they consent or not, they just have to do it. Mm. And I, I totally understand, like, because it's out of concern, right, for, for their health or whatever, whatever it is. But I think, um, you know, there's some educators I follow and they describe it. They go into more detail with it and they're like, it's kind of more about just just communicating what's happening and if they're mm. OK, and how they're feeling. So even when uh, there's one educator, he's he's a male sex educator and his stuff is targeted more towards men. Uh, Cam Fraser he's great but he recently uh his he's a new father and he says even when they're changing his nappy he'll actually just verbalize what's happening just to get him even in the practice of communicating with his child about you know what what we're doing to your body now and what's happening so like oh you know I'm, I'm changing this now and I'm going to do this now if that's okay and it's not that the baby's going to be like no you know stop yeah. it's not that it's just a good it's a good example almost to set more than anything, isn't it? It's actually just bringing something to the forefront that was never there before, like bodily autonomy, just just, just having that communication about it. I think that can only be a good thing, really, you know, um, just getting into that good habit of it and setting that standard where at least the communication is happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Consent can be a really heavy word, you know, in and itself, consent has very legal connotations, doesn't it? When you think of consent, you think of, well, I do anyway, I think I used to think of kind of legal cases and you'd always read about it in really in a negative light, whereas kind of reframing it as just communication, basically, because that's that's all it is at the end of the day, really. It is. And it's like, I know this is a tiny bit off topic and we'll get back onto the sex education now, but just on that what you were saying about the body autonomy I don't think you can ever a child can ever be too like young to learn about it because you know like we've had this history of like having your toddlers is like give your nana a kiss and they say no and then you, you almost force them to give yeah. your nana a kiss and yeah. all this kind of stuff whereas I've kind of from the very beginning and because this stuff has been more so at the forefront and consent has been um talked about a lot more and it's it's all about teaching them when they're the youngest just like you said to communicate and get them to understand it I haven't mm. forced them to do stuff like that I'm not like if he doesn't want to give a kiss I just say okay and I whoever's offended is offended I don't really yeah. care yeah it's your yeah. child like yeah your child's comfort is is more important and it's kind of 
And it's not, I'm always so conscious when I'm talking about this stuff. I never want to shame anyone for what they have or haven't done with their child or, you know, any way that they parent, that is not ever what I want to do. It's more to, it's more about kind of suggesting maybe alternative ways of thinking about something. And mm-hmm. um, one thing that comes up, you just reminded me there, one thing that comes up over and over again, when I work with adult clients, particularly, so a lot of women have quite a, an ingrained sense of shame regards to sexuality they've a they've a real discomfort with being a sexual being with with kind of owning their sexuality for want of a better phrase and I do some work one of the things I do is I do some inner child work so we look at past memories like literally when they were a child and we see what memories come up and almost always this is something I've noticed almost always with women a common memory will come up for all of them And one of their earliest memories, when they learned that there was something shameful about their body or there was, you know, there was something that they had to be careful of, was being told to cover up as a child, Mm. that what they were wearing was too revealing. And although we might do that as a parent, I know my mom did it like, and, and, and she's a great mother and I'm not criticizing her, but she did it out of fear and concern that, I don't know, that I would get noticed by some creepy man and, you know, whatnot. But when we do that to a young girl, we actually are telling her that her body is dangerous, that it's it's tempting, that it's something she needs to cover up and control and that she is responsible for keeping herself safe by doing this. And you can see how all those messages build up over time and then they don't just go away. Like they stay with you through adulthood unless you actually unlearn them. So there's a lot of unlearning in what I do, in the work I do with adults. Yeah, I'd say that, but like, it's funny. I was watching this TikTok earlier and it was like watching Love Island in your 20s and you're like, oh, he's fit. And then it's like watching Love Island in your 30s. And it's like, that's gaslighting. Actually, to be honest, I think they're doing a lot of unconscious uncoupling there and you're like going through it in your head. It's like you start to learn a bit more. And it's like, do you know what? I think that that must have came from his mum. I think he's after getting that attitude from his mother. Absolutely. And it's like, and it's so true. Yeah. And I was like, I was, so, I was sitting there and I was like, and I was like, you do that. <laughs> in my head I was like oh no you try and get real like actually I've been thinking about it and that's not normal behavior (laughs) um but it is and you hear it a lot where it's like oh you know childhood trauma inner trauma you know relationships with mothers all that other kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and it does like it's gonna we're very lucky and we've talked about this before where I think this generation actually might be the generation that gets us out of a lot of shite because Mm -hmm. they've been healthily introduced to a lot of things very unhealthily introduced to a lot of violence and a lot of other stuff that probably we weren't Mm. um introduced to but in another way you know I didn't know how bad the world was until I was in my teens until I could actually go and find out for myself and Mm. I didn't realize how like a lot of these things can affect people and all that other stuff so it is interesting those little things because I can't really, I don't really know where the shame came from. I think it came from school around sex because I was in a common school, an all girls school. My mum did not want us in a school with boys. And that was like her number one thing. She was like, I don't want you in school with boys. And I now talking to her, she's like, I don't know why I was really against that. (laughs) But it was like a thing that she, she'd almost probably picked up. Yeah. You know, so it was like, it just keeps going. I do think as well. And like, I, I, I like you said I think our generation is the one that's kind of and I don't like using the term but it's a good kind of like air quotes woke, woke do you know um but in a good way that we are kind of waking up to how bad like 
how wrong we were before. Like, I, I do feel like a lot of teenage misogyny has a lot to do, like, slut shame and all yeah. of the, you know, like, when you were a teenager and you did just the slaggings and, like, God, if you were to wear a miniskirt, like, it wouldn't be the boys that would be comment. All right, they might catcall you or, with, like, you know, I'm not excusing that either, but it would be the girls kind of going, oh, she's a slut. Look what yeah. she's wearing. That mm. all went into it as well. Yeah. Whereas now I feel like, women are hyping other women up as opposed to shaming them for wearing a sexy outfit yeah and I think it's about having those conversations but how how did you get in like when did when were you like this is my calling I want to teach I want to be because we'll talk about the intimacy coaching side of things in a bit um because that's so interesting Mm -hmm. like particularly very very interesting uh but when were you like I want to be a sex educator for kids, you know what I mean? Oh, God, that title sounds so dodgy. But yeah, <laughs> um, I, so it kind of came from a professional and a personal ex- experience or experiences. So professionally, I suppose I did occupational therapy as my undergrad. So I was in the healthcare sphere at mm-hmm. that point, uh, training as an OT. And I did notice that sexuality was hugely missing from the course from the curriculum so say in OT you might be helping someone rehabilitate um maybe learning to to walk again to to well maybe not so much to talk again that would be speech and language therapy but you know to to kind of get their lives back or make their lives what they want to be whether they have a disability or an illness or an injury and one thing like I was what age was I so then I was about 19 20 21 the age where well I was anyway having sex <laughs> and it was a big part of my life as a college student and I was like why is sex not being mentioned in this course at all because I know if I had god forbid if I was in a car accident or if I had an injury or mm. something that would be like there'd be other things up there at the top of my list but I certainly wouldn't have it at the bottom like it would be something I'd want to do again and get back into so I just felt it was really missing and I after that course my undergraduate I went straight into a master's and that's where I kicked off really because the master's was in health promotion so I specialized in sexual health I just felt really drawn to it um and I think because of my personal experiences so one was that I had something called um vaginismus for years and some of your listeners will definitely have this if they Mm -hmm. haven't had it um if you have a lot of women listening um I had it for like I became aware of it when I was 13, 14 and I didn't get treatment. I had to go to the States for treatment. Oh, wow. Jesus. Ireland. I had to go to the States for treatment when I was 21. Thankfully, it was very successful. And for anyone listening that doesn't know vaginismus, it's basically the muscles in the vagina involuntarily out of your control. They contract or close kind of to make it simple. Um, so getting anything in there, a tampon, a penis is either impossible or very painful so really debilitating you know because you want to have sex but your body's not playing ball and it's there's a lot of pain and whatnot and there wasn't enough support at all when I googled it as a teenager it said that one in a thousand women might have vaginismus whereas now the statistic I've seen recently was more towards one in ten would have it at some point so we're talking about things that it is changing um so that hugely affected my sexual development as a young woman I mean hugely affected my sense of self-worth my body image I could go on and on about that and I've talked very publicly about it um it was actually I was like this is surreal because the the was it the examiner I think did a piece on it or the times or 
but I can't remember. And I was like, there's two pages of a national newspaper dedicated to my vagina and the journey of my vagina. So I was like, this is, <laughs> this is such a weird, surreal moment. But, um, and also then the other kind of personal experiences were just ending up in quite abusive, unhealthy relationships at a young age again. Um, so I had, a, I had a turbulent few years when I was really coming into being sexual and being a young woman. And looking back, I just really needed someone like me or I needed, and we can chat briefly about the book as well that mm. I wrote, um, I needed that stuff and that those people and they just weren't there. So it was that, um, that uh, what's that, you know, be, be who you you were younger that kind of um that a bit of a, a bit of a cringy phrase but there's a lot of truth in it as well so that's kind of what drew me to it really yeah oh, oh wow um so to the book as you were saying which we wanted to mention before we move on to the kind of adult intimacy coaching side of it um sex educated is the name of your book and it's yes. more so aimed at younger adults and the parents of those younger adults yeah so can you exactly. give us a brief synopsis of what the book can help people with of course. So yeah, so it's called Sex Educated. Um, I have it here next to me. It's quite big, actually. It, 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 I think it's 440 pages. Wow. So it's fairly hefty. But what it is, it's basically, I wrote it um, with help from five, six, I always forget, five or six, a team though of sex educators who have been delivering sex ed in Ireland as well for years. And basically, it is an index of all nearly all the questions I've gotten over years and and my colleagues um over years of doing sex education so when I was in the role we would always when we did a class we would ask people to write anonymous questions and you get loads of them they were my favorite part of of doing the work because it gave you a real insight into okay what do they actually need to know you know um, some of them are hilarious, some of them are really sad, some of them are really clever, some of the, you know, there's such a mix in there. And I just thought this would make a great book or resource if we actually just compiled these and answered them. Mm. So like a Q&A. So that's what the book is. And there's nine chapters. Each chapter has a different theme. So there's a chapter on periods, there's a chapter on puberty, a chapter on consent, etc. So the book really, it's suitable for, we say about 12 13 upwards um but i have people in their 20s 30s 40s reading it that never got sex ed and are finding it really helpful um but really yeah it, it's it's more primarily for uh teens but also um the people who care for them so their parents teachers youth workers um just people who feel they need a bit of a guide to answer these questions and might know where to start um and there's fabulous illustrations i have to mention because they're so inclusive and sex positive and just beautiful um by Kira Coogan who's a Galway illustrator so that's it in a nutshell that's sex educated oh fabulous that sounds actually really good I was like I, I want to read that yeah so do I <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. we'll send you a copy um 100% so you can have a look at it because I always yeah I always hear teachers are like oh my god the stuff that people come out with like if you've ever talked to mm. um like a secondary school or a primary school teacher they're like the things that kids come out with but I suppose like a lot of there's there's lots of really interesting blurbs that kids come out with too and you're oh, like, where'd you pick that they're up? so clever like, yeah you're like so where, did clever. You pick, where did you pick that yeah up? no that sounds really good because like that and jesus i have a good 10 years in me before i have to answer and never by, too early Jen. by that stage he probably will have the curriculum and the the like the resources in school and not have to ask me anything but i, I would love to actually 
And you know, yeah, you can never, you're never too old to learn something new every day. No, no, yeah. you're not. Um, I learned a lot writing the books, so I can safely say there'll be stuff in there that you didn't know. Um, yeah. And it's like it is accessible, and you don't have to read it back to front uh, if you want to. You can, but you know, you can you can just read a chapter. You can read you you can dip in and out of it. Um, so that's kind of good as well. So it's not too overwhelming for parents where they're like, oh my god, I have to read this huge thing. It's more like. We just wanted to fit in as much as we could, you know, yeah. just have it as a one-stop like shop a and an Irish resource, which is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sex Bible. That's exactly what Irish sex Bible. Is it available yeah. in stores or online or we'll obviously post links and stuff like that? Yeah, so it's... Um, it was commissioned by uh, Sexual Health West, as I mentioned. So they were the organization that I worked with. And um, so you can buy it on sexualhealthwest.ie and the money actually goes back into the charity that delivers sex ed. So it's it's great. So it's actually funding sex ed. Oh, amazing. Ireland. I'll post the link in the blurb, yeah. Yeah, and you can also get it from a lovely sex shopper as well. Sex shopper. Oh, oh, I oh brilliant. Savage, love yeah. sex shopper. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On to the intimacy therapy that you do with adults. Is that, give us a bit of an outline on that. Like, it's, is it mostly, obviously, like, this confidentiality Mm -hmm. in place there so we can like ask you actual like, like tell us what happened there what, give us a bit of goss yeah, yeah we're not gonna ask you that obviously but um do you find as time is going on are people more confident going to you with their problems or because I would imagine like even if me and Adam were having a bit of a like a bit of a rough spell I don't even I don't know if we'd be confident enough to Go to somebody like that. Well, I think, like, first of all, there's all this conversation around mental health and people going mm. to therapists in general and going to coaches and life coaches. And something that I've seen, my aunt, we've had her on before. Yeah. She's a life coach. Um, and it's mad to see how much her business has kind of changed, I suppose, over the years because people are now starting to realise that there's help out there and you don't have to just deal with everything in your own brain. Mm. And you can kind of, like, actually communicate and have these conversations and go to an expert, somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Because I feel like for so many years it was this kind of thing of like man up or just get out. Like for yeah. men it was man up and for women it was like just get over it or sort it out or chat with your mates over a glass of wine. And we're like, yes, two toxic women chatting shit yeah. about their partners over a glass of pino. Nothing could some, be better. <laughs> yeah, some of the things I hear from uh, the people that come to me about the advice their friends have given them, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, I know you're like, why? I'm not like, fair enough. You know, they're not trained in this. They're not, and they're just trying their best. But I'm like, please just 
pretend you didn't hear any of that just discard that advice please um you know like drinking more will not make sex more pleasurable it won't make things it won't increase your libido you know it's they're kind of very uh on the surface things that yeah people think oh i'll just have a glass of wine loosen up a lot of gps have said that to clients that have come to me what? Um, yeah like a lot of particularly women who have any tension or pain during sex again maybe vaginismus have a glass or two of wine um that can help and it really doesn't <laughs> like it really really doesn't uh so yeah but but to go back with what you were saying i know you're both looking i'm shocked i'm just like I'm not actually obviously <laughs> are you not yeah no. well i mean i think if it, it nearly sounds like common sense like you need to get to the root of these problems like i feel like drink would just mask your fear like if you if you felt like yeah. you, you wanted to get a bit kinky and like you wanted to get over your you know like your kind of confidence issues having a like that would just give you the fear then you yeah know the next mean? day you're like not gonna you, wake up and be like yeah i'm glad i did that no you're gonna be like oh my god <laughs> yeah. kill me you're gonna be like wait well, i was a different person last yeah. night forget that because that's not me yeah yeah like the thing is with a drink i suppose and it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a difficult one because i can sit here all day and say you know all sex should be sober sex but you know i'm being realistic sex and drink do often in ireland certainly like yeah go hand in hand yeah and it, it is a bit worrying when you think of early sexual experiences and that's a whole other thing and they're happening when people are like so drunk but with that um you know drink dulls your senses so it does actually dull your pleasure receptors as well as your pain receptors so you know that's why sex mightn't actually sometimes feel as good you kind of can sometimes get numb a bit quicker and people who might be having pain during sex might think that's a good thing oh I can you know it'll numb it a bit but actually what's happening is we're just kind of when we do that we're silencing our body like you know when we have pain that's our body telling us something up you know that's there's something up we need to listen to it so if we're just like no shut up I'm numbing the pain it's not actually going to help with the problem it could actually make it worse long term because we're we're overriding what our body is telling us, you know. It's kind of like when your body is hungry and if you're dieting or something and you're restricting it, you know, we're we're denying what our body is actually asking for. And in the long run, that is not a good thing, you know. We need mm -hmm. to actually listen a bit more. We need to connect to our bodies more and strengthen that connection and trust our bodies a bit more as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's interesting because obviously in Ireland we have this over you know this overhang it's the Catholic Church and like it's yeah. always behind us and it's so yeah. funny chatting to people and they're like oh Jesus the Catholic shame out of that now God I couldn't be having that conversation and it's it's because it is just this like Ugh, die yeah yeah but it's constant and it's like when you think and I it is funny because now we have you know like people are always saying like on on tiktok it's like oh that's a real for you page that was for you yeah. like, i was like that was my thoughts so, so we all just have the same experiences but i think it's just because so many people haven't spoken out about things and i think it's interesting because when i'm there's so many shows about dating and with dating in turn comes sex and in turn comes intimacy and sexual compatibility and all of that other kind of stuff so at the moment you've kind of had this boom i suppose of married at first sight which got really big particularly in australia um and i find it's interesting like if you had married at first sight in ireland they would never be talking about sex imagine with an expert on the couch they'd be like no would you stop asking me about that 
Yeah. That's my dream job. If anyone's yeah. listening, I want to be an expert on an Irish marriage person. That would be, imagine, but like, imagine an Irish, like a, a show about that. In our, it would be so interesting to see, yeah. to kind of, I suppose, undo all these like really toxic behaviors and these things that we've kind of picked up and learned and see how people react. Um, And it's interesting on like, in, in like my boyfriend's from the UK, they have a totally different I've spoken yeah. about this before, but the way that they're brought up around sex or the way in particular that he was brought up around sex. Now he has a twin and he had a twin sister girl. So it's kind of because everything was happening to the two, like everything yeah. was happening to the two of them at the same time. So it's interesting because they're in school together and all that other stuff. So like um, he's very well-rounded in mm. that kind of, and speaking to him, I'm like, what was your sex education like? And he was like, oh yeah, we taught how to put on a condom. We were, I was like, LOL, that would have never walked through the gates of my oh, school. Oh no, sure. No like way. having sex was just for having babies. That's yeah. all it was for. Yeah. Like. And like that kind of thing. But now when you're seeing, you know, Love Island and they, they've, they've kind of pulled back on the sex part of it. And I do understand that. I hate it viewing wise, but I do understand it in another way that the contestants are quite young and no matter how open and free some people are about sex, if you're riding on TV, you're, you've always rode on TV. Like you're, it, mm-hmm. it's always there. And it was kind of the same with like Geordie Shore, like Geordie Shore, I think was one of the first reality TV shows where I was like, oh my God, they're actually, they're showing people having sex yeah. on the TV and mm-hmm. it's not even 10 o'clock. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And then when you look at like Married at First Sight, they do all these tasks as couples and they have to do all these clinics and it's supposed to be really helpful and you know they're trying to get to know each other but what I find interesting is how they have to write like sexual compatibility consistently and how they've had to talk about it and it's so awkward now obviously it's awkward because they got married at first sight they don't really know each other but I'm like they're having better conversations than some people are having 20 years into their relationship absolutely you know they definitely are and they're they're actually having to think about it as a like because everybody's like what kind of guy do you like and it's like a fun guy jokey and you know kind and all this other kind of stuff and I'm like there's also all these other brackets that nobody likes to talk about but sexual compatibility is is a massive one and it depends how much it ranks, I suppose, to each person in their relationship. You'll have a couple, obviously, who care about it and then people who don't. So yeah. I'd say you deal yeah. with that, like, that all of the time. I love the aspect, though, of the intimacy, like, the honesty of it. Yeah. Because generally when, say, if, like, and I still, I, I don't know what, I think I just need to unlearn it. But if I, me and Adam are talking about sex, I it's always very, very, like, uh, you, you know it's just I do be scarlet and I just have to unlearn it but it's I can't I feel like I can't just be honest because I'd be mortified yeah you're and like stand out in the hall yeah. and I'll be in here yeah. and we'll close the door and we'll shout out to each other so we don't have to look each other in the eyes I'll send you a, a voice note like you know that kind of <laughs> a text I'm like I would consider myself quite open-minded I'm like not ashamed of anything but I'm still it is it's just very Catholic of it it's yeah. something, something in the Irish as well yeah, but it's hard to unlearn all that, like, genuinely. I, I'm a fecking sex coach, and I get awkward talking about sex. Genuinely, like, I really do. So, you know, if if I get awkward, like, someone who doesn't do this all day, every day, and know the ins and outs of it, of course, it's going to feel awkward. I may be ill-equipped to even, how do I even talk about this? How, where do I begin? Um, And it's funny, because I do have couples and, and women come to me that they're together for years, and they've never really had very raw conversations around sex and their desires or whatnot and sometimes I'll give them communication exercises and some people get on fine well you know there's obviously lots can happen but some 
people are with the sitting down and talking, whereas other people are not there yet. So we'll actually start with um, kind of fun activities or exercises where like, um, you know, there's, for example, there's an app uh, called, I think it's called Paired, but there's probably a lots, of it, lots of similar apps. And um, you join it with your partner and it sends you a question every day to answer. So maybe my question that I get today would be, what's one fantasy you find really hot to think about, but you'd hate to do it in real life? So I put in my answer, but he can't see mine until he answers as well. Mm. And you can do games and quizzes. So that's just one example. And then I kind of do my own version of those exercises with couples as well. So there's ways around it. I think, I think people are probably a bit, maybe they're a bit scared of coming to someone like me or even a sex therapist or whatnot, because they think they're going to be forced to like, you know, divulge their deepest and darkest, but it, it doesn't work like that. You know, it's, it can be a really slow build um, because a lot of us are starting from Scratch. square one <laughs> where, where we have that discomfort. And it's interesting because I think, Jen, I think you asked a while ago, are people more open? Um, or Carol, it might've been you, sorry, but I think people are becoming more open to a service like this 100% um, because... I think, I, I just think now there is more conversations about sex having in the media, for better or for worse, there definitely is more out there. And particularly during lockdown and the pandemic about how couples were struggling during the um, pandemic and lockdown. And if I were to, I'd say most of us struggled with our relationships to some degree, um, whether we were single, or, sorry, not single, whether we were living apart or together or whatnot. Um, so that really brought it to the forefront as well. Like I would always say, don't wait until you're at breaking point to come to someone like me or go to yeah. therapist. Please don't. Like go go when you're ha when you, maybe there's a transition happening in your life. Maybe you're moving in together, or go when things are still pretty good, but maybe there's some stuff you can work on because you're building an amazing foundation for your relationship. Then, rather than kind of again coming years down the line where things are like this is a last resort you know yeah. I mean it can still work but it's definitely you know like with mental health don't don't wait to go to counseling until everything is falling down around you learn the skills beforehand and, yeah. and are talking beforehand yeah. yeah that's a really good tip actually yeah I think I think people think that they have to go to like a therapist or a couple's therapy when things have gotten very bad mm -hmm. yeah. instead of actually being like well there's a couple of different things that have come up and we're pretty happy right now but it'd be great to be able to have the tools I suppose to fix this yeah it's it is a much better idea to go rather than being in at rock bottom when you're actually not motivated to do anything yeah. about it whereas if you're still kind of in a good enough headspace you're willing to be like all right that's grand let's try this and make it even better yeah yeah I think yeah there's there there's a stigma around going to couples either either sex coaching sex therapy couples coaching there is a stigma around it and I think people are hard you know if anyone found this out you know everyone would just assume we're on the brink of splitting up I can honestly say many of the couples that come to me I, I think they're really strong couples like there is so much love in the room there's so much love there they're just struggling with one particular aspect of their relationship and most of us will struggle with sex at some point in our relationship because when we think of a relationship and the needs we we need um we need security we need love we need um all that kind of the caring the compassion the being able to lean on them 
but a lot of the time for arousal and sex we need novelty excitement risk things like that and those are quite at odds with each other so yeah. we need to so it's natural that we're going to have phases in our relationship where we're just going to struggle a bit more with sex and desire etc so it's not if anyone's listening don't let that stop you from reaching out to someone and getting help you know and at the end of the day if someone makes that judgment about you it just reflects more on where they're at with their own sexuality and beliefs around it not where you're at or your you and your partner are at yeah and it definitely I don't think because I think it used to be just well particularly in my own head it used to be like when you heard of a sex therapist it would be like this idea of an you know like in meet the fuckers where yeah New York loft yeah (laughs) like it was this really eccentric kind of therapist who was talking about like whips and book plugs and stuff and it was always an older couple who had just lost their chi do you know what I mean that's that was what was always kind of documented as whereas if it's normalized like we're looking at you now and we're just like it's like you're one of us you're you're one of us (laughs) like you know you you would you wouldn't be intimidating to go into or you wouldn't be like air quotes too much to you know handle like if if you went to just kind of have a chat with somebody about it like even if you just tried one session yeah exactly and like I offer again an initial session I don't you know if if it's not for you it's not for you and for some people they're not ready yet and and they'll come back at a different point and that's absolutely fine but you're so right I was talking only recently about the kind of media representations of sex therapists and sex coaches and they're always like that they're always like really out there I must say though I love um Jean Milbert in sex education I think Gillian Anderson is so good in that role and yeah mm. she is a little bit but to be honest I see a lot of myself in her like <laughs> you know, stuff she says I'm like oh that's that's do I go on like that and my boyfriend's like yes <laughs> um so maybe there's no harm in making people feel a little bit uncomfortable as well because doing coaching or therapy is all about broadening your comfort zone so rest assured I'm not going to come in with whips and and plugs and the whole lot and I would never because people are coming to me with with pain Mm. with with really sensitive delicate issues and I treat them as such and most professionals will um but of course you know with the communication exercises I give or the different tasks I ask people to try they're designed to broaden your comfort zone because change doesn't happen as we know if we if we stay in our comfort zone all the time and um, so I'm getting a bit more comfortable with with people being a little uncomfortable around me it, it, it's funny it's something I've gotten used to myself where um at the beginning when I used to tell people what I did I'd almost shy away from it a little bit you know I'd almost kind of say oh I'm a sex educator so I do work in schools and I talk to you and I'd over justify it mm. nearly mm. but now I just say oh I'm a sex educator and leave us just let the questions come to you instead yeah Yeah. exactly did did you find over I suppose how how long have you been doing the intimacy coaching and that so I've only been doing that um about I always get confused uh, over let's say a year and a half I think it's Mm a year and a half yeah yeah and have you found that things like like not trends because obviously you're not gonna be like yeah there's this massive trend with couples but if you like it's crazy every single person is different and yet they're all the same but um have you found that there's any kind of specific things that kind of keep coming up in your sessions that like that one piece of I suppose 
the puzzle that doesn't seem to be clicking with people or is it again is it a case of like do you think it's a lot of miseducation or like what like what I suppose are you seeing that's a common theme in your sessions that kind of tends to just keep coming up yeah uh, common themes would include women simply coming to the realization that they don't know what they want and they don't know what they like and they don't know where to start having a better sex life what what comes up again and again is a lot of women who come to me they feel like they're not really in ownership of their sex lives like they've never really had sex that is maybe truly for them they've had a lot of sex that is more geared for towards pleasing their partners and we know women are conditioned to do this so this is not surprising at all and again this is why sex education is so important to talk about this stuff from a young age and say you know it's it's a it's a connected experience it's not one person just serving the other um unless that's what you're into but um that comes up again and again and again so you know women just not knowing you know when I ask oh and do you ask for what you want but I don't even know what I want so it's really bringing it back to basics um so I would do a lot of work around reconnecting to their body their sexuality doing things like pleasure mapping sensory mapping on the body so seeing where it feels good where it doesn't what kinds of touch feel good and we talk a lot about desire and and different feelings during sex that they connect to more like do they like to feel submissive or dominant or you know there's loads of different feelings we can crave during sex um I'm trying to think what else comes up I mean body image issues come up almost all the time uh particularly with the genitals particularly with the vulva itself like women being horrified by their vulva and quite disgusted by it which is like it always just makes me a little sad um hearing that because that is definitely coming from society that's definitely coming from conditioning you know and I even get questions about that from young young girls so that's happening all the way through you know a few decades there of of women and girls that I'm seeing um so yeah they would be kind of the main things also sorry just a few other things struggling with orgasming is a big thing struggling with reaching orgasm um and also pain and tension during sex will come up quite a bit as well Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah and is that like something that couples you do is you do both couple intimacy coaching and you do solo intimacy coaching yeah yeah. so is that something that you find women are happy to speak about in front of their partner or not so much that's more of the work I would do individually Um, with the couples what comes up more is that there's uh, maybe a what's called desire discrepancy which basically means one person wants more sex than the other or one person isn't feeling really fulfilled by the sex they're having so that's kind of what comes up in couples more but sometimes then those issues I just mentioned body like that feeds into those issues as well like women might withdraw from sex if they no longer feel confident in their body, for example, you know, um, sometimes after childbirth, particularly it can happen where if you've had a, well, a painful birth, I'm sure every birth is probably painful um, to a degree, but if certainly if you've had something like a, a traumatic birth or whatnot, um, women can start disconnecting from that whole area, understandably, you know, if there's an area that's causing you a lot of pain, the, you can start disconnecting from it so it's interesting like I I do feel that um it's usually women who come to me on behalf of the couple so on behalf Mm. of them and their boyfriend husband and it's usually the women that will 
talk that bit more. They will be more leading the process um, because they're probably the ones that are reaching out to begin with and and kind of taking the reins with that. Um, and then the partner can be, so it's, it's trying to bring him in as well a lot more, you know. So again, every situation is different though, to be fair, of course. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's it's just nice to know, and obviously it's always been there, but I just suppose I never really thought about actually going to see. Yeah. An sort intimacy coach. I'll sort it out. Yeah. i sort it out. Because it is, it is a massive, and I think that's, it's either been overplayed or underplayed in relationships a lot in the media. And yeah, that we've been yeah. sold this narrative where it's like, men, all they want to do is shag. Girls, all they want to do is get away from their fella. And it's like, even these kind of things of like, oh, you're going on holiday, you're definitely going to have to put out so. And it's like, all these, this narrative where it's mm. like, oh, I hate that, you're going to have to have sex with your fella. Are you ha- <laughs> yeah, are you having night, um, night away in a hotel? It's like dirty like night away. And yeah. I'm like, oh God. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's this, it's, it's just a constant and it's kind of it's brought up all the time and obviously men talk about masturbation a lot more than women do and that's really normalized Mm. and then it's almost like the biggest shocker ever if a woman uses a sex toy or is open about using Mm. a sex toy or promotes a sex toy on social media god forbid or like anything along those lines so it's this kind of it's like we have to always consistently bring it forward or bring it back like there's no happy medium (laughs) yeah Yeah, and we're I think sometimes we're lacking like actual I suppose informed Mm -hmm. kind of nuanced conversations around sex in the media so you'll notice that if you pick up or well we you know even read online a lot of articles around better sex they'll talk about your weekends away in your laundry and your toys and I'm not all of that's lovely that's fine but that's really surface level stuff you know if there's something going on with your intimate life you probably have to dive deeper and that's okay. And, you know, the difference between sex and intimacy, you can have sex and it might not be intimate at all. Mm-hmm. You can have intimacy, but might not be having, say, full on penetrative. You know, it's it's because, again, intimacy, I prefer to use, you know, even intimacy coaching, because that's actually really the heart of what I do is the connection to yourself and the connection to your partner and the being honest with them and exploring with them and all that lovely stuff, not just oh, this, this is the position of the week. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So we, we need a bit more of that. And I actually, I have to admit, I don't watch Love Island myself. Big fan of Married at First Sight. That's my my guilty pleasure. But um, I think just even from listening to people talk about Love Island, what I do like about Married at First Sight is the experts. Now, sometimes I feel like I just don't agree with some of the stuff, yeah. but that's okay. It's for entertainment at the end of the day. But they do kind of call people out quite a bit. They do, on yeah. It's, it's I really good. appreciate. Yeah. I don't think Love Island. Now again, I haven't. I haven't seen it so really. So I maybe I shouldn't say anything. But from what it sounds like, that there's lots of stuff going on, and uh, maybe gaslighting, maybe prob, you know, whatever, um, maybe stuff around consent, whatnot. But is it being addressed? I'm wondering. Is there any out like, like apart from between? The participants who seem really young as well yeah. like, is really very young um so do they even have the capacity to have those conversations um I suppose it's not that kind of show but it's just I'm just thinking out loud that I'd love to see you know taking those examples and actually have even an after show where you pick them apart more with an expert with a relationship expert or, or something like that yeah um for people watching or older people watching yeah and know? it's like 
they do do they do have therapists and they do have counsellors and all that other kind of stuff okay. on it but it is like a, a, one year a couple of years ago uh two of the contestants had unprotected sex and they had to have they had like real ramifications where they were sat down they were like given proper sex ed almost and then they were like taught about protection and all that other kind of stuff um so there is all that but we never hear about it we hear about it afterwards after the show's done and we hear and you are right where it's like the lads can gaslight for eight weeks straight and then only find out about it off social media afterwards so yeah Yeah. I do um I do I do I do like married at first sight because it is that kind of thing where it's like well I just witnessed you say x and that's yeah. not okay because she said why or he said this and you said that and that's not an okay behavior mm. so it is that little bit better yeah. um we know your time is precious you actually have a you have a session Tight. right now yeah uh, yeah in 10 minutes <laughs> yeah in 10 minutes so we will let you go um i would love to have you on again sometime soon to chat i suppose a little bit more in depth but thank you so much yeah. for for your time and um thanks for just kind of i suppose opening up the world of sex yeah, it's been very informative um i will link the book that the um the website where you can buy the book um your social media channels as well and again thank you so much for coming on no thank you and my website as well is gracealice.com if anyone wants to learn more about me and my work book a session anything like that and i'd love to come on again so i could talk it's hard to stop me talking about this stuff and there's so much to cover so anytime just yeah we might know. do a q a or something yeah, the next yeah. time yeah. yeah brilliant that'd be great that'd be great thanks so much right before we go have you got an unpopular opinion i do i need to change that fucking jingle why? It's just because it's so long. <laughs> it's not even that. It's just like at the start, it was like, oh, controversial. Now I just cringe every time. <laughs> yeah, me too. It is. Yeah, I was only thinking that there. I was like, oh, gosh. It feels yeah. very like, what was that guitar hero? Yeah, I don't. It's stock music. Yeah. And it's literally a bit between it goes like, what the fuck was the name of it? It was like, uh, DJ Jungle or so you know like because when they do stock music they put their own thing over it oh so that you can literally only you can't use a full song you, you have you to try have to and use like, the segment yeah Lose. even though Losers. it's stock music and you don't pay for it they still fucking trademark it um, well not trademark it but brand it I do think it is too long also let me work on it we're still trying to get bongos for the fucking jingle anyway come on <laughs> Adam um probably more of a popular opinion than an unpopular opinion but they're still, all popular opinions I feel they still needs to be said there should be a cap on how much water is yeah oh yeah Do you get me like it's absolutely and it doesn't matter where you are who you are how you are a universal charge a universal charge mm. there should be a cap and a limit on how much you can charge for water yeah. It should never cost 10 euro for a bottle of water. Oh, Paris. Is it? <laughs> like it should just never <laughs> cost 10 quid. What brand was it? Was it Evian? No, it was Perrier. But it was it oh. was Finesse Bublé. And I don't like the Finesse Bublé. And I didn't get fine bubbles, essentially. It basically, it's like, it's like, it's like you bought sparkling water and left to go flat and you drank it the next day. Oh, fucking hell. It's even less Yeah, crack. it's even less. It's like even less TV static. Yeah, it's the worst. Um... But just in general, I was like, this is my, like, you know, the way you see in the airport and it's like four euro for a bottle and you're like, what is going on here, gang? I know. I needed water for the, just house water. You know, yeah. just bottled house water. Yeah. 
and I was around in the super value because you can get it cheap enough in Dunn's to be yeah. fair to Dunn's they yeah. have their own brand which how is their brand anyway they obviously they have these like distilleries whatever but heavy on it was like for six 500 ml bottles it was like 420 I was like the absolute am I going to buy it yeah but the absolute yeah. notions of it I know so 420 and I get like it's a brand and all that other stuff but I just don't respect it I just don't <laughs> respect it <laughs> You know, <laughs> did you ever hear that? Um, you said you're starting up a water brand. I'm not going to respect you. No, like smart water and all that. Like what? I don't respect it. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, wouldn't be for me. Same as to be honest, sparkling water can go in there too. But at least they put in a little bit more effort. You know? Does, yeah. Does it process a bit more of a process? Like yeah, there was effort. Put you're in paying there. for the labor there. Yeah. You know, but there's. I just feel like you know, I'll, I'll pay for it. That's no problem. But have a cap. Yeah, that's, you know? I, yes, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And I would say that that is a popular opinion. Unless if there's anybody out there that works in an Evian factory. Unless you want to school me. Yeah. You can school me all you want. Because it could be a case of, it costs that much because it takes me fucking hours. Do you know that song? Yeah. Um, I have a stamper. I, I kind of don't think that that's the case. But anyway, uh, you have a stamper, right? Hang on a sec. Have a jingle. Carla's stomper of the week. We're getting a bit more nostalgic with this one. This one came on also while I was in Paris and I was like, oh my God. Oh, I don't like that one. What? No, I think it's too repetitive. No, Jen. Yeah. It's gorgeous. No, it's it's real summer. Isn't that song um, I know you don't be asking for me hot takes But I'm going to give it to you anyway You know like Sophie Ellis Bexter kind of music It just bores me And it's very repetitive And it's very I don't know Is it just a bit English or something I don't know There's something about it that I'm just British. like eh. No I don't like that It's like that Baby Give it to Whatever that fucking song is Oh lady yeah, Lady yeah. sorry yeah <laughs> Don't like it. That's why I don't know it. That was like but the biggest song of just, four years when we were younger. Oh, but it was like, you know, I played one time last year when I, like, one of the girls had the radio just playing on the laptop. And I swear to God, it felt like it went on six hours. I was like, this is the most repetitive. It's on, It's in that. It's in that school. They went to the same school. I don't see where you're coming from. I okay. think this is Put Em High and by Therese. And I think it's just in a different I thought it was called I thought it was by Stonebridge But maybe she's a singer But anyway um, It was just one of those tunes When I was I had it on my First iPod And I just loved it I listened to Did it you? all the time Yeah Right okay Loved it Thought it was brilliant Well I'm delighted for you um, <laughs> no, We just We just have different tastes That's all And the car CDs yeah, And all that like, Yeah, yeah um, And the CD changer And the boo Yeah, yeah There you um, go now Thanks a million for listening We hope you enjoyed this We are going to go And record our Patreon Right now. Patron. Patron. Um, and yeah, we hope you enjoyed. So let us know. Give us any feedback. If you have any questions, we will put it like out on the platform to ask official questions to Grace for when she's going to come back. We're kind of already mm-hmm. mid-organising that. Yeah. Um, so let us know. Give us your feedback. <coughs> and we appreciate you. Thanks a million for listening. We love you. Bye. Bye.